Well, good morning, Chili Bible. Good morning. Uh, thank you for the birthday wishes uh, here on the 20th anniversary of my 25th birthday. <laughs> somebody, uh, somebody said, I don't mind getting older, I just thought it would take a lot longer. <laughs> right? And that's true. Uh, you know, when I got here, I was a young man. Uh, I didn't have any white in my beard. Now it's all white. What happened? But um, anyway, um, it is a privilege to, uh, to be your servant by God's grace and to open God's Word with you this morning. Uh, let, me, uh, let me pray for us here as we get into God's Word. Father, we do thank you that you are so good to us, that you love us with such intensity, such unending patience and grace. Uh, you forgive all of our wickedness and sin. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness as we confess to you. You sent your Son to die on the cross for what we did and raised him up that we might have new life. Father, we have 10,000 reasons, as we sang, to give you praise and to thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do in our lives. Father, we are just grateful. And we thank you uh, for the great privilege we have of worshiping you this morning. Uh, may our lives come into conformity with your will and your word um, by your Holy Spirit's power. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today is chapter 9 of Proverbs, which chapter 9 is uh, kind of a summary chapter, if you will, a, 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 a look back at everything the Father has been saying to His children uh, in the previous eight chapters, and He's laying them out in summary form. And what he is presenting essentially here in chapter 9 is a very stark choice. Two roads that you can go down. Down one road is life by God's wisdom and experiencing God's blessing as a result of going down that path. And down the other road, you live by your own sinful desires that masquerade as wisdom to you. And you get self-destruction as a result. And what you find out as you read these chapters uh, is that how, how you respond to the choice that you are given reveals what kind of person you are. And, and chapter 9 is going to underline that point for us. How you respond to biblical correction reveals which path you have picked out for yourself. Lots of people say, well, I'm going to walk in the way of wisdom. I'm going to, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to follow Jesus. But the choices that they make reveal that, in fact, they have chosen a different path for themselves. And so we want to be clear on which path we're on, and, and we want to look at this text and, and what it clarifies for us about these two roads. And 
they are presented as choosing between the invitation of two women, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. And you need to choose wisely which banquet you pick to attend because the, the, uh, the outcome of each of those banquets is far different. And the food that you eat there uh, tastes great in one location and not great in the end at the other. So we want to read the text here, Proverbs chapter 9. I want to read the whole chapter here as we begin. Uh, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. And she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, turn him, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come. Eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you're wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to all who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, and that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. May the Lord add His blessing to the reading of His Word. Amen? If we do nothing else on a Sunday morning, the fact that we opened God's Word and read it uh, would be sufficient to have worshipped God uh, if we listen to what He has to say. Uh, so his, the reading of His Word is really important. Uh, in these first six verses, what you see is wisdom personified. And again, she is personified as a great lady who is holding a banquet. Uh, you know, picture her as, uh, you know, the baroness. Uh, baroness wisdom, you know, lady wisdom who is inviting you to the banquet that she has had at her house. And her house is described as having seven pillars. And the idea is not that it has columns necessarily, but the idea of seven is a number of perfection in the Bible. And so the idea is that her house is strong, her house is beautiful, and you would do well to go there. And uh, in her house, there is a feast. There's meat and there's wine. Two good components to any feast, right? We got steak, and we got red wine. We're going to have a party. We're going to have an enjoyable time at Lady Wisdom's house, and she has servants that she has sent out to the highest parts of the city, where they can be seen and where their voices can be heard. 
And she is issuing an invitation to everyone, anyone who wants to can come. Anyone who wants to may come to her feast. And she especially invites those who are simple and those who lack sense to come in and learn from her. Now, I want to be careful here. Uh, in Proverbs, there are a couple different categories of people. Okay? The simple person is not a person who is a sinner necessarily. Uh, I mean, they are a sinner in the fact that we're all sinners. But the simple is, is not a moral category. It's a knowledge category. It's the way that we all start out life. We don't, it's, not that we, it's not that we are aggressively um, pursuing sin. It's just we just don't know better. That's the simple person. Person who, who gets themselves into trouble because they don't really understand how life works. And they're just ignorant. And if they would just learn a few things, then they would save themselves a whole heap of trouble. That's the simple person. And Lady Wisdom is inviting them in. And the simple person is in contrast, by the way, to the three other categories of sinners that we see in Proverbs. They're, they're, they're in kind of descending order of wickedness, if you will. Uh, the, the first one is the fool. The fool is the person who has been taught better and decides to do their own thing anyway, right? The scoffer is the person who, who, says, who says to people who are not going down their way, I can't believe you're doing that. I mean, come join us over here. It's a lot more fun. The person who is encouraging other people into sin because they scoff at righteousness. I had some of these guys I you know, ran around with in high school that were scoffers, right? And they were like, I can't believe you're doing that. That's stupid. What are you going to church for, man? Y'all into that Bible's junk? What is, uh, what is that? They were scoffers, right? And if you continue down that road, then you become the last category of person, which is wicked, where you not only know better, and you not only scoff at people who are doing differently than you are, but you are aggressively, actively in pursuit of sin. You become wicked. Because the thing is, sin always... I got this from John Owen. And he's one of these old Puritan writers. I like to read some of these guys every now and then. John Owen said that sin always aims for the utmost... That, that, in other words, it's like, uh, it's like a dog that run, likes to run. You know, that if you let him off the chain, um, he'll go, he'll go not, to, not to the neighbor's yard, but like to Edelstein from my house. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you know, he's making tracks, right? Uh, sin is going to go as far as you will let it. It'll run as far as you let it. And every lustful glance would be adultery if it could be. Every greedy thought would turn itself into theft. Every, every instance where we're tempted to sin always is aiming for the utmost. And so every time that you sin, it takes you further and further away from God. 
till eventually you are celebrating and reveling in the fact that you are a long way away from God and you have become a wicked person. That's the progression that Proverbs says, if you're wise, you'll avoid that course of life. But this is addressed to the simple. It's to encourage the simple person. These six verses, the simple, the people who are young, the people who don't know any better yet, to choose life by God's wisdom. This is for, this is for teenagers and people who aren't yet teenagers or people who were once teenagers um, who understand that some of these choices that are out there are loaded and they want to make the best one. So the wisdom is inviting you to choose to live life by God's wisdom and to obey His commands. And if you do that, if you do that, you will just listen to what God has to say and do what He says. Then you will stop being ignorant of how life really works and you will experience God's blessing like a guest at a banquet. Turns out that what God says here is really true in real life. I've experienced it. Look at verse 6. If you accept Lady Wisdom's invitation, you get insight. And you will live. You will live. You will. The, the, the reality is, men and women, is that Living by God's Word pays off. It pays off. It will improve your life. You will experience life that is really life. That is not just a series of moments of existence. You will actually live. You will actually live. If you want to really live, if you want to feast on joy and peace for many years, then follow God's wisdom. In fact, the Bible says here that, that uh, here and later on, that a lot of times living by God's wisdom will give you a long life. That's true. It says elsewhere in the book, it'll, a lot of times if you live the life by God's wisdom, it'll improve your finances. How's that for a practical effect? That living life by God's wisdom can actually improve your financial situation. Because it turns out that sin is expensive. Not just, not just morally, but financially a lot of times. Expensive to live life by your own wisdom. And, and so the encouragement we get here in these first six verses is this. We all, we all, whatever age we are, we're four years old, 84 years old, somewhere in between, somewhere older than either one of those. However old we are, we need to accept the invitation from Lady Wisdom to live by God's wisdom. And to enjoy the benefits of that. You'll see later, uh, Lady Folly is seductive, but there's no food. It's not even mentioned. It's the promise of stuff. But there's, nothing, there's no reality actually there. 
How do you know which pathway you're on? How can you tell if you're wicked or if you're wise? Well, verses 7 to 12 tell us. There are two tests in verses 7 through 12 for how you tell if you're wicked or wise, which road you're actually on. And the first test is that a wise person accepts correction. He or she is teachable and repents when rebuked. They repent whenever they're rebuked. Proverbs, you know, as I said, has three categories of sinners. The fool, the scoffer, and the wicked. Fool is the person who sins without knowing any better. The scoffer is the person who sins because he rejects the truth of God's Word. And the wicked are those who sin because they delight in it. And they are the people who have moved past being disobedient, actively pursuing sin and seeking it out. And so verses 7 and 8 talk about two categories of these people. And it says, look, there's no benefit in correcting a scoffer or a wicked person because they're not going to listen to what you say. They're not going to listen to what you say. In fact, for them... Disobedience to God's Word is not a bug in their lives. It's a feature. It's what they're pursuing. It's what they like. And they have chosen sin. And if you try to correct one of these people, what you will get for yourself is verbal abuse and hatred directed your way. I've experienced that too. Have any of y'all ever, ever tried to tell somebody... You know, I wouldn't walk down that road if I were you because it doesn't lead anywhere. In fact, it drops off a cliff just past here. And you know what happens? A lot of times they will bow up and they will say to you, Who are you to judge me? You know, and they'll just, they'll start, and they'll start, heaping calumnies on you and saying you know all kinds of negative things about you you judgmental terrible horrible person i can't believe you said that right and you're like look man i'm just trying to save you from the world of pain that is on the other end of this i'm not trying to tell you that you're going to hell although you are but the reality is you need to change direction. And the Bible says a scoffer or a wicked person will not take correction. They will not take correction. On the other hand, a wise person repents. They go, wow, I didn't realize I was being stupid. I need to change direction. In other words, the difference between a, between a person devoted to sin and a person devoted to following God's wisdom is not the presence or the absence of sin. It's not that wise people are perfect and wicked people are awful. That's not the difference. In fact, in fact people who are trying to live by God's wisdom sometimes sin in big, horrendous, horrific ways, Right? But the difference is, is that a wise person, when you go to them and you say, you know, the way you're going leads far away from God, they will be like, wow. Let me give you an example of a wise person, okay? 
King David of Israel was Israel's greatest king, but he also was a great sinner. Can we all agree on that? Let's all agree on that. Amen. Okay. Here was a guy who God had raised up to be king, who he had anointed as a teenager, whom he had given great victories to, who he had raised up and protected and finally put in place on the throne. And when David had peace finally in his kingdom, all the wars had been fought. In fact, they're off engaging in a war on the other side of the river. Uh, David says, you know what? I'm going let to the, let the army go fight this out. I'm going to stay home. And while he's home, he starts looking around in the neighborhood and he sees a woman near the palace who is bathing. And she's beautiful and she's naked. And he sees her and he hears, he goes to send a servant to inquire whose woman that is. Whose wife is that? Whose girl? Who does she belong to? And he finds out from the servant that is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah. Now, please understand who Uriah is. Uriah is one of the 30 mighty men of David. His personal bodyguard. On top of that, she is the granddaughter of his prime minister. In other words, the servant is telling David, dude, the alarm bells are ought to be going off here. This is not okay. David tells the servant, go get her. Bring her here. And David sleeps with her. She becomes pregnant. David conspires to have his friend Uriah killed. And Nine months later, the baby comes. And Nathan the prophet comes. That's why I named my second born son Nathan. You got John David, the beloved disciple and the great king, and Nathan Michael, the prophet and the archangel. <laughs> All right. Uh, and Nathan the prophet comes. And he says. David, let me tell you a story. There was a rich man who had lots of sheep and a poor man who had one little ewe lamb that he loved. And it would sleep with him in his bed. He kept it as a pet. And a traveler came and the rich man took the poor man's lamb and slaughtered it for his guest. David, what do you think should happen with that man, the rich man. David's sense of righteousness rose up and he said, well, he deserves to die, but he he should have to pay back fourfold what he stole, which is what the law commanded. Nathan says, you're the man. And David was cut to the heart. And David repented. And he turned away from his sin. Was David a great sinner? Yes. But he was also wise enough to understand that 
those who are wise, when they are corrected, repent. They don't run from God's correction. They repent under it. Amen? I don't know where you are today, men and women, whether you're wicked or whether you're wise. But if you're in sin, hear this as the Holy Spirit's voice, that the wise repent of sin. They repent when they're corrected. One of the best questions you can ever ask somebody is this. I, I love this question. It's from John chapter 5, verse 6, where Jesus goes to a pool. There's a paralyzed guy laying there. And he asks him this question. He says, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And you, first you might think, well, yeah, obviously Jesus. That's why he's laying there. <laughs> right? But what I found out in now almost two decades of pastoral ministry is that lots of people love to be miserable. Lots of people would love to have their sin instead of healing, instead of wisdom. Amen? Are you wicked or are you wise? A wise person says, I'm going to repent. Verses 10 through 12 give us the second infallible indicator of being wicked or wise, which is that a wise person fears God. A wise person fears God and receives His blessing, whereas a wicked person rejects the Lord and bears the consequences. Uh, verse 10 repeats an idea that's, that's over and over repeated throughout Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the humble recognition that left to yourself you make a mess of your life. Left to myself, I'm telling you, my, left to myself, my life is a rolling dumpster fire. I kid you not. I will, I, I will have my life as messed up as a football bat. All right? It will be, it will be screwed up six ways from Sunday. But when I listen to the Lord, when I listen to the Lord, then I live by wisdom and I experience God's blessing. If you want to live your life wisely, it begins, in other words, according to verse 10, with a relationship with God. It begins with a relationship with God. And apart from relationship with God, you will not know how to live life in a way that is successful, in a way that is completely fulfilling. And you cannot, in fact, have a completely fulfilling life apart from God. I can, I can show you all the people who have tried it. I have tried it. You can't do it. can't be done. You cannot live a fulfilling life apart from God. But if you fear the Lord, and you have begun to walk in the way of wisdom, and you, you start following Jesus, you start walking in God's wisdom, and you start learning how to live life in a way that is successful and fulfilling and peaceful and blessed and joyful. 
Let me tell you what this is like, okay? When you live your life on your own, uh, y'all remember the movie The Princess Bride? One of my favorite movies of all time, okay? And you remember they have the little albino that takes, takes Wesley down into the pit of despair, right? And down there they've got the machine, right? And they hook you up to the machine, and then they, they flip the lever and it like sucks away this quantity of your life, right? Oh, you scream and cry and so forth, right? And, and uh, then you've got the six-fingered man down there that takes notes because he's doing this experiment for posterity to see what it feels like to have your life sucked away, right? Uh, and it's all kind of twisted and funny and so forth. But, but in reality, what you do when you sign up to ignore the Lord is you voluntarily hook yourself up to the machine and you suck away big portions of your life. That's what happens. So here's the question again. Are you wicked or wise? Are you going to fear the Lord and experience His blessing? Are you going to take rebuke from the Lord through His Word by His Holy Spirit? Or are you going to say, you know what? I got this wired. I'm going to figure it out on my own. This chapter begins with the enlivening invitation of Lady Wisdom to come and eat and learn from her. And it concludes with the alternative invitation, the seductive call of Lady Folly. And as you look at it, she is, um, y'all remember back Saturday morning cartoons? Some of you remember back when they had Saturday morning cartoons. Um, uh, there used to be Superman, and then there was Bizarro Superman, right? And Bizarro Superman was like the opposite of Superman and everything that he was not, right? And um, I don't know if they're ever going to have a movie where they have that or not, but they got all kinds of other superhero movies. I haven't seen that one yet. But you got Bizarro Superman, okay? Well, in a sense, what, what Lady Folly is, is Bizarro Lady Wisdom. She is the upside-down, backwards version of Lady Wisdom. Just like Lady Wisdom, she calls out from the high points in town. And the first line of her, her invitation is identical. Let all who are simple come in here. It's just that instead of looking to the simple and trying to help them, she's looking for people who are going down the straight path and looking to turn them away from it. Look at it. It says, people who are walking, calling to those who are going straight on their way. In other words, people who are going down the right road. She says, no, no. Come in here. Come in here. She knows nothing. And look at this. Look how her house is described. There's nothing in it. There's nothing in it. There's no food. There's no wine. There's no seven pillars. What is there? A tomb. That's what's on the other side of that door. 
She's offering pleasure without consequences or consideration for the future. And she calls out to the people who don't know any better to come to her house and taste of what God forbids. And you know what she is? You've got to go outside the Bible to get this image. She's a siren. A lot of people, when they hear that word, they think, they think uh, you know, of the thing on top of a police car. It makes noise. Uh, in the ancient world, siren, though, was a, was a particular kind of monster. And what a siren did is that she would sing this beautiful song. And it was so captivating that guys would follow to the source of the sound. And when they got there, what they found was a horrific monster that ate them. That's what a siren was. And that is what this is. That's who Lady Folly is. She is a horrible monster with a seductive song that calls all kinds of people to her so that they can be consumed. If you listen to her voice, it says, He does not know the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. In other words, the realm of the dead in Hebrew. Sheol, the realm of the dead, the grave, the tomb, the place where the dead live. Let me ask you something. Is there any added zing to doing something you know you shouldn't be doing? Yeah, there is. There's an adrenaline rush that comes from sin and wondering whether or not you're going to get caught. In fact, wondering whether or not you're getting going to get caught is part of the thrill, right? Uh, so she says, look, Stolen water is sweet. Stolen water tastes better to drink from the neighbor's water fountain than from yours. A cookie snuck from the cookie jar when you weren't supposed to eat any tastes delicious. Amen? But what's the result? The result is death. Anybody who moves into Lady Folly's house experiences death. And the only banquet you get to enjoy is one of temporary pleasures being replaced by lasting consequences as sin puts you to death. It separates you from God, separates you from other people, it makes you miserable, and puts you to death. So, let me ask you two questions here as we wrap up. This is God's wisdom for us all in this text. Number one question that you ought to ask yourself at the end of this at the end of this text is first of all do you fear the Lord? Do you fear the Lord? If it's true as the as the center verse of this text says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Then we ought to ask ourselves do we fear the Lord? And by that, what I mean is this. Have you come to the place where you in your personal life have put your personal trust in Jesus Christ 
that he died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead and thereby initiated a relationship with God. If, if you haven't ever done that, then you're, you're going through life stumbling in the dark. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And if you want to be wise, you need to get God's wisdom. And in order to do that, you're going to have to begin a relationship with Him. And the way to do that is, is by God's grace through your faith in Jesus Christ. So the most important thing you can do before you leave today, if you haven't yet, is to initiate that relationship to fear the Lord. To reference Him and worship Him and follow Him. Because He is God and He is worthy of being followed and worshipped and obeyed. And He's calling you into relationship with Him. Second question, are you wicked or are you wise? Are you wicked or are you wise? As we've been walking through this text, uh, or maybe in one of the messages prior to this, you have felt the sting of God's rebuke and correction. Maybe even right now as I'm talking, you are hearing God's voice in your ear saying, you need to stop that part of your life. That needs to end. You need, that needs to change. You need correct, this needs to be corrected because it's out of alignment with my will for your life. And you've got a decision to make. You've got a decision to make. Are you going to listen? A wise person listens. A wicked person says, Nope. I'm going to do it my way. I think one of the most wicked, evil, sinful songs ever sung was the one by Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Yeah. Yeah, you did. And you left a train wreck behind you. If you've been doing it your way up to now, it's not too late to turn around. Not too, not too, too late to get wise, to hear God's correction, and to decide that you're going to turn from what you've been doing, whatever that is, and come back to the Lord. Wise people choose wisely. And go back to the Lord. The writer of Hebrews says it this way. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. Later in the same chapter, he says again, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. You know, I have a ring on each hand. And when I initially put them on, I noticed them all the time. Now I have a little callus right here underneath each finger. I have calluses around those fingers. If I take them off, you can see the white skin underneath, right? I don't notice them anymore, really, unless I really think about it. You know why? My hands and my fingers have grown hardened for that being there. 
And the Scripture is telling us don't grow hardened when it comes to the things of God. Because what is a good thing when it comes to your hands with reference to jewelry is a bad thing when it comes to your heart with reference to God. You want to feel it when God pokes you and says, Son, daughter, turn around. Be wise. Let's pray. Father, help us to always feel it when you correct us. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to live in Lady Wisdom's house where there's plenty to eat and a rich feast is prepared and where there is peace and joy and blessing and it all comes as a result of a relationship with you. Help us to experience that, Father, and to know that joy and that peace that can be ours. Father, I pray that... um, None of us would be fools or scoffers or wicked people who turn away from and reject your wisdom. Help us, Father, instead to be soft-hearted people who love you and who love to hear your voice speaking and who are corrected and trained by it that we might become more like Jesus. Father, help us. We need your help. Without you, Father, we are lost. We are lost and prone to wander. Help us, Father, we pray. In your Son, Jesus' name, and by your Spirit's power, amen.